0: Uh, Tommy, how was the rake, baby?
1: It was uh, it was great, man, and you know, we should mention that we might have our first backstage COVID scare with Lee. Lee's have at least a little bit under the weather. Uh,
0: that's a HIPAA violation, Tommy.
1: <laughs> you're probably you're probably right, but we don't we don't follow the rules here, all right? We're we're unregulated over at the Backstage Podcast. So, um yeah, just Klepp and I breaking down some sleepers tonight. That's what's on the docket and you know, something that I've really been Wanted to get into because we're always good for some sleepers. I feel like our sleepers have been consistent year by year. We've always got some some dudes who are tucked away in the later round. So let's get after. Yeah, it. Yeah,
0: I, I was thinking about um, I was I mean, number one, you know, we've we've just been talking a lot about top 50, top 10 of the draft. Um, so it just felt like I wanted to, to just look a little bit deeper. You know, sometimes day three, often most of the time, it's just kind of a, a crapshoot. You know, I mean, the draft as a whole is is kind of a, you know, you're not going to hit everyone. But when you get in those fourth through seventh rounds, you know, there's obviously going to be those guys who are super talented and fall due to character concerns uh, and and things like that who have found success. But a lot of times it's just kind of a lot about situation too. Um, Who, who I get, I'm trying to think, you know, I know, I mean, Kittle was a big guy for me. Dak Prescott was a nice hit for me. And then last year, obviously I was a big Mooney guy. Had a nice start uh, last year in Chicago. Who are, who are some of your your maybe your hits? Your well, I, hits?
1: I think Ant, I mean Antonio Gibson last year was a guy that I think I was I was pretty high on. Um, mm-hmm. Alex Highsmith too. I just really liked a lot of his intangibles. We'll see what he's able to do in year two. Gibson did go round three though. I think, that is right? true. Yeah, D- Gibson was a round three guy.
0: Um, but he was a projection. I'll, I'll give you that. Yeah, he, he, he was, was a, a bit projection. of a
1: projection. Yeah, he was a little bit all over the place, and that's something that at least with the guys that I'm going to bring up these, you know, and and we mentioned this too, before we recorded is these guys could go in round three, potentially even I have one guy who probably is going to be a day two pick, but in the, it's a receiver. And in like the conversation with receivers, I just think he's not really giving getting, um, a lot of the, the hype that I think he deserves. So, um, and you know, with receivers, we're going to see receivers get pushed down, uh, the board, I think a lot this year. Um, and obviously, you know, rounds two and three that's 60 picks there so or 64 picks so uh, there's a good chance that some of those guys go but this just seems to be the case every year that a lot you don't really know where all these gms stand and a lot of guys that you know look at a guy like josh jones last year you know who we kind of thought was going to be the you know a first round pick definitely a second round pick really the next tackle up outside of that big four and he gets pushed all the way down to round three if i remember right towards the you know and it to the, to the Cardinals,
0: yeah, it might have even been like a compensatory I think pick. So, I think yeah,
1: I think um, I think it, I think it was I think it was the Cardinals' round three pick because um, uh-huh. yeah, because Gibson went. I think Gibson was the second the second pick of that uh, of that third round. And for what it's worth,
0: you know, hey, Josh Jones didn't play last year. That we're, is true. That is true. We're hoping for a sophomore uh, rebound yeah, for Josh soph- Jones here at the BJB. A sophomore
1: pump. Oh, another um, sleeper that I had. I don't know. Maybe it was a third round pick, but Cooper Cup. Not even that I was on him, but mm-hmm. when we first brought up the Rams and we were just trashing on the Rams,
0: you were you were a Cooper, I was a Cooper Cup, Cup
1: guy. guy. I thought you know, hey, grout runner from eastern uh, Eastern Washington. Um, you know, we don't like to beat our own drum here. We don't like to beat our own drum. We're humble guys. We're humble guys. We like to we beat our drums in group chats. We don't beat our drums in uh, in the public in the public eye.
0: Hey man, there's there's plenty of misses. There, to go yes, along there are with, with all of these. Do you remember? I mean, do you, any uh, any any Lee sleepers you can you can some, work off the top of your head? Some good Lee
1: sleepers.
0: I mean, Parnell, that's, that's, our, that's always been yeah, our Lee, guy, Lee yeah.
1: Fa- I think Lee is the first person in the world to find... Lee, Lee, fa- Lee was the
0: first He Parnell found a
1: Parnell Motley, and then John Ledyard followed suit pretty soon after that. We started to get yeah. some John Ledyard love for for P-Mott. Um Let me think of... You know what? I, I don't want to bore people with me having to think, but if something comes along the line on the on the positive uh-huh. or negative side for Lee, um, I will, I'll be sure to mention it. Hopefully negative. Yeah, hopefully negative. We like to keep him down. I like to keep them real down
0: um, here. Let's get let's get into uh, some of these sleepers. I I also I went a little you know a little bit of the extra mile. I think something that's important to note with these guys is, and it matters for for almost every draft prospect, but especially day three guys, like the the team fit, right? I mean, they, a lot of these guys need to go to a situation where the team will either be patient or there's good coaching or a good situation for them. Uh, to become the best NFL player they can be. So I included, you know, one team uh, for each of my sleepers. I'm going to start out with a guy, Wap Fillier from Indiana. Uh, he was a guy that, when well, you know, I watched his game against Michigan State. Um, really, really strong game uh, this year. You know, 1,000-yard season in 2019. Two years of solid production uh, in the Big Ten. Special teams, returner value. If you're hunting, a lot of teams, you know, day three will try and hunt elite traits. Wap Fillier doesn't really have anything that jumps off the screen. He's plenty fast enough. He's not small. He's 5'11", so he's not one of the smaller slots, but he's definitely just kind of a pure slot receiver. But I think if you're a team in the fifth or sixth round and you take him, you're going to come away with, like, a very solid receiver who produced in the Big Ten. I think he plays tougher kind of what his measurables uh I- indicate he is a little bit you know easy to bring down you're gonna need to work on the route tree a lot of it is him just turning around and, and catching bubble screens but definitely a lot of stuff with his take to to get excited about and you know I, I i like elijah more you know I like elijah more I think elijah more clearly a far better athlete than than wop is and all this stuff but when you start looking, you know, at the receiver class and the depth and the different guys you can get, like I'm not sure if I would prefer to have Fillier in the sixth round than Elijah Moore in the second, right? Like it, it, to me, it's it's just kind of a value thing, and I think, you know, named nicknamed after the Whopper hamburger at Burger King. We love to see it. Um, I I think you know, I think he can be a very solid uh, NFL slot. So and I and I projected him. Uh, I said a nice team fit would be the Panthers because you know he's not Curtis Samuel. Let's not you know say oh he's the Curtis Samuel replacement. But you have Robbie Anderson, you have D J Moore, fit him nicely in in the slot. He's not going to get you know a lot of attention. He's going to go to out the outside. Put put Wop in there and just you know watch him have a, a very solid role playing wide receiver three NFL career in day three uh, for a day three pick. Like that's pretty. You know, I think that's his, you yeah. which I
1: think is nice. I mean, he definitely was a nice player. I haven't watched really any of them outside of me watching Indiana games uh, this past year. Was I liked Michael Penix a lot, their, uh, their quarterback, and they, they, they you know, seem to be some gamers. And Wop was kind of their, the go-to guy for that offense. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. And, you know, you always like those type of intangibles. Like, you know, if he might not have the, the best physical tools, but a guy who has produced, like you said, in college um, and, you know, seemed to be, you know, a really tough, tough, heady football player... Um, I mentioned, I guess I'll, I'll start off with one of my, my nice sleepers again, when it gets to running backs, I don't really know where all these guys are going to land, but I mentioned Antonio Gibson earlier and I got to start it off with Kenneth Gainwell, who I think had he played this year, could have been in the conversation for one of the top running backs and maybe eclipsed a guy like Javante Williams, who knows, but there's a guy that, you know, when I was watching Gibson last year, so much of what I liked about Gibson was the fact that. He was pretty much, he played a mostly slot receiver for Memphis because Kenneth Gainwell was their lead running back and did a lot of the receiving work um, as well. You know, caught, if I'm I'm reading the stat line correctly, 51 balls for 610 yards last year. He was an opt-out this year, so he didn't play, but this was when he was sharing a backfield with Antonio Gibson. And then on top of that, had 231 carries for 1,459 yards with 13 touchdowns. Um, So it's a guy who has a very versatile skill set. I think has a higher ceiling than Antonio Gibson had, but we've seen with these Memphis running backs uh, the past couple of years, Gibson and Pollard, especially Tony Pollard, especially, but even, you know, Daryl Henderson, this has been a program that has been producing, I think solid, good, well-rounded NFL running backs. And I think Gainwell might be the most, you know, impressive, at least in college in terms of physical standpoint out of all of them. Um, You know, just,
0: I mean, it's interesting you say that. I mean, Antonio Gibson's ceiling, to me, is pretty high. He had a totally. very impressive rookie season. So, I mean, I I haven't watched Gainwell. Uh, yeah, well, off, off off initial reaction, that sounds like it might be a little much. Yeah,
1: but. well, it, I mean, I think it's just more so these guys. I mean, Gainwell didn't play this past year, but these guys were on the same team. And I think Gainwell was just a little bit more of an explosive player than Antonio Gibson. I mean, Antonio Gibson, I think, is a little bit more of a, a hulking back with a little bit better contact balance than Gainwell. But Gainwell's in a really explosive player with that type of skill set and that, that, you know, gets you really excited in terms of, you know, where the NFL is going and, you know, what team should value when selecting a running back. And I think Gainwell really projects to be a guy that can be a really large part of, of someone's offense, um, both in the, the run game and the receiving game. So Kenneth Gainwell is a guy who I think had he played this year and had another similar season would be in this conversation. But being an opt-out, he didn't really have a chance to do that. And, um, you know, really so much of what, you know, again, this is a lot of this has to do with me watching Antonio Gibson last year and being like, wow, this Gainwell guy is great. But Gibson, like Gibson didn't play running back really. I think he had 30 carries for Memphis his senior year. I mean, he, and so much of that showed up in that Cincinnati game and the championship, but was really more, more of their slot receiver guy. And I think they both kind of have uh, that similar skill set and seeing Gibson's success in his rookie year. I could see very similar things for a
0: guy like Kenneth Gainwell. Well, cool. I, I wrote his name down. I'm going to have to take a peek after that take
1: arousing endorsement. I'm,
0: I'm happy to. Tommy, I'm really happy you brought up a, a running back because that was something I was going to kind of not, not grill you on, but you're big, hey, just get a running back later. Yep. Don't do it in the first round. And, you know, you got to come with players to back up, you do. back up that line of thinking. So I, I was happy that you did that. And I'll, I'll, I'll follow suit. I'll, I'll go with one of the running backs that I had. A um, little bit of, of it sounds like a different, much different player than, than the um, catching the ball eliteness that Kenneth Gainwell apparently has after you know that stat line you, you read off. But we're gonna go to we're gonna go to Jarrett Patterson, right? Running back from Buffalo, a little bit of I guess a chalky sleeper if there if there is such a thing. He's a guy that gets talked about uh, a lot. His career stats are I said un, unfathomable. Three, three seasons, six hundred thirty six carries. 3,884 rushing yards and 52 touchdowns. I mean, this is just ridiculous. Against Kent State this uh, past season, 409 rushing yards and eight touchdowns in in one game. No matter, you know, I know he's from the MAC. He's from Buffalo. Any any level of football that is impressive at any level. So the stats the stats are there. And even I'm not a big analytics guy, but. Uh, A guy was talking about him uh, on YouTube, brought up the advanced stats. 664 yards after contact in 2020, 46 missed tackles. That was 16th and 7th of NCAA running backs. And keep in mind, Patterson only played uh, six games last year due to to the pandemic and and the MAC conference. And he he runs weird. (laughs) He kind of looks like a toddler, like running. But he's fast, you know, it, but it, it's not like a, you don't look at him and go, oh, this is a superior athlete. He, he tries to do jukes and it, and it doesn't really, I don't doesn't look that athletic. And he's shorter, but it seems like he runs a little tall for it. But it, those are kind of, to me, just cosmetic things. I mean, the production is clearly there. What I will say, literally zero catches in 2020. Zero. No, did not catch the ball once. Twenty career uh, receptions in 2018 and 2019 combined. Not a ton of uh, pure pass pro reps that I saw with the way that the Buffalo offense was kind of run. But the ones I did see weren't fantastic. He's willing to get in the way. And that's kind of about all you get. Um, so uh, for a team fit, I said the Saints. Uh, I think the Saints could could use some some youth depth. You have obviously an extremely dynamic back in Kamara there already. And just, you know, draft Patterson in the sixth or seventh round. I think you're getting a really, really solid player. And, you know, don't get too you know, Kamara is like on the other end of the spectrum where everything looks super easy, fluid athlete for for Kamara, where Patterson's gonna kind of be this herky-jerky little kind of compact guy, but also you know, I don't know. He's just if you if you watch him run, you will understand um, what I'm saying. But I just I liked him. I like the production, um, and uh, I think he can be a nice little role playing running back for a team who isn't you know is going to understand. The the one thing I am concerned is like sometimes the thing that keeps you on the roster as a running back is going to be special teams. Pass pro uh, things like that, and I'm not sure it's like all really there with Patterson. Even if he develops into, uh, you know, a guy who consistently will make rosters, but I don't know. Nice little, little late round running back.
1: Yeah, I again another guy who I, you know, obviously he he broke headlines with that game during the year, but not a guy who I've really watched watched too much of. Um, so maybe from from my uneducated uh, opinion, how how would you compare him to maybe like a guy like Darrington Evans last year? Like, do you think he's a better prospect? Than, than Evans or is he not as dynamic uh, I don't know if that's <laughs> do you remember
0: I mean I don't I'm trying to remember Darrington I remember Keyshawn Vaughn okay a right. bit. that's like,
1: that's my bad he, I, well D- he, Darrington he, Evans was from App State he, I know he's on the Titans. yeah he was the guy from App State yeah. you know kind of a one cut oh I did not like yeah, him yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Me, neither, like him. me neither and he was kind of a, um, a,
0: a sleeper in the draft community the last year of sorts uh, yeah i don't know that i i don't know i i it's it's it's, it's funny because i was kind of trying to think like god who does he like remind? i don't know if you just it, it, his the helmet looks big it's almost like a kyler situation yeah. where it's like the helmet is like the size of his shoulders and like, friday night tight he, he's, he's kind of funny looking but i think that you know i think people will overlook him a little bit yeah. so and i think the production just speaks for itself in a way that he's just worth taking a, a flyer on late
1: yeah, I have uh, another running back that I want to mention, who definitely I think is going to be a day three pick, just because he's a little bit on the older side. Uh, and that's Khalil Herbert from Virginia Tech, who uh, transferred from Kansas, I believed, and th- and this was his only season at Virginia Tech. Um, so he's a guy who has has had, you know, he produced at at Kansas, then had a really nice year at Virginia Tech. 154 rushes, uh, 1,182 yards, eight touchdowns, and. Had a little bit of production out of the back, backfield, um, catching ten balls for 179 yards and, and one touchdown. But a guy who, 212, nine two twelve, he's got some nice contact balance. He's got surprisingly nice little burst for uh, a guy of his stature. Um, and he's you know he's he's thick. He's he's a very thick guy at a, 212 pounds. But really just impressed me with his vision, contact balance. Um, you know, one of he's he's just one of these running backs who's not over super dynamic, but has all of the other intangibles outside of being just an elite athlete. And, um, you know, kind of like a guy like, you know, Zach Moss, I guess to a lesser extent last year, who's, a, you know, runs a 4'6", but does a lot of things well um, and can just be a really nice piece on, on a roster, make a, make a roster someday. And Herbert, I think, you know, has the vision, has the contact balance, can make some people miss, has a nice some nice burst, and there's no reason I don't think, well, he can't be effective catching the ball out of the backfield as well. So... You, you know, you labeled me as the, as the, the running back, you know, hater that I am, the, the analytical, the quasi analytical guy that I am. But Herbert's a guy, when I talked to Lee about, you know, it's those type of guys where you could, he could be a starting running back. Of course, he's not going to offer the same upside as a Najee Harris or Travis Etienne, or even a Javante Williams, but a guy that can, you know, run your, run your offense and really grow into a role. And especially if he's surrounded by a plus offensive line and a nice quarterback and just a nice offense overall He's a guy who can rush for thousand yards in an NFL season. Um, I think something too, just to mention, is a guy like James Robinson, you know, who had a great year this year for Jacksonville, undrafted free agent. Um, a guy that I did not know about. We did not touch on him in, in the running back episode, but obviously was in the conversation for rookie of the year, rightfully so. Um, and you know, he's a guy who ran four six coming out of Illinois State. Around that, not overly dynamic, but just doesn't have a lot of weaknesses to his game. And you saw how he was able to translate to the NFL. He He has a well-rounded skill set and a team, you know, values him and he can be incredibly productive. Uh, and We've seen it with Philip Lindsay, you know, every year there's a guy. Lee's boy Savion or Salvon Ahmed, you know, that's another, that was one of Lee's sleepers who looked really good for Miami this year. So, uh, you know, Herbert's one of those late round running backs who I would not be surprised if he carved out a nice role for himself on an NFL roster.
0: That's yeah. All right. Good good Tommy bringing bringing the RBs I, bring I like the it. the RBs baby. Um I'm going to get into to one of my two players that I'm I'm really really excited about. Um and this is uh, Antonio Phillips. Cornerback from Ball State. Mm. He's keeping it in the MAC, yep. all right? 6 foot 180. Three-year starter, eight career picks. Uh his dad played college football uh, at Illinois. And for for a little background on on Antonio, his 16 year old brother tragically was killed uh, by gun violence in st louis right before the beginning of the 2019 season it's still uh an open case uh in in the city of st louis and phillips had a first team all mac for interception season in 2019 he was awarded the team's most improved player um, that season and in in an interview i saw him uh in a a local news piece he just said Junior year, I had a different fight, a different hunger. Yep. Uh, and, and playing, playing in honor of his brother that year. So, look, you know, um, obviously, you know, just horribly tragic, but to be able to kind of play through like something like that, use it as motivation, and you just – a guy you, you just want to root for uh, and wish the best for. And, I, and he's a really, really solid player. Obviously, it's kind of difficult to, to scout corners. Um, you know, the Pro Day is coming up, I think, this week or next week. Got to check in, make sure he doesn't run a 4'6", uh, or, or anything like that. And he could stand to to he, he's six foot again, but one eighty is, is kind of light. I think he could stand to maybe put on a couple pounds. It looks like he has kind of little skinny legs, mm. uh, but but he does he does play tough. I'll, I'll give him plays plays very tough. Um, and I, I gave him a nice team fit with the Steelers. Mm. Bring him in, Tomlin. I like that. You get, a, get a nice guy here with a, with a chip on your shoulder. Ton of starting experience, good ball skills, nice nice height for the corner position. Antonio Phillips, you're my guy, baby. Love
1: it. Um, I you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump over to two guys that I talked about in the receivers episode who aren't necessarily sleepers, but this is me standing on the table for them. All right, and this oh, and God. you know what and um, Amon Ross, it's it's Tylen Wallace and Amon Ross ain't Brown. All right. These are when I talk when you talk about the next level of, of tertiary receivers and day two receivers and possibly even a day three receiver. Um, you know, that's more so the case I think with Amon Ra um, as opposed to Tylen Wallace. I think Tylen Wallace is kind of locked in as as a day two two pick. Um, but I'm gonna start with Amon Ra, who's a guy who I think people have all over the place. Um, I know your boy Daniel Jeremiah is a big fan of Amon Ra St. Brown um, in terms of his receivers. Just a guy with I feel very similar just in terms of he was a five-star recruit, has a pedigree. The biggest thing with Amon Ross St. Brown is he really, you know, how much better is he now than he was when he was 18 pretty much? Like I think you, the, the ceiling was supposed to be a lot higher for him as, you know, the best one of the – I think he was the best receiver in the country coming out of, of modern day down in, down in beautiful Santa Ana, California. Um, but Amon Ross St. Brown went to my beloved Trojans and produced as a freshman from day one. Him and JT Daniels had a great uh, connection. And then even with Slovis coming in to be the starter over Daniels, uh, Amin Ra, you know, is great. I, you know, his season last year as a sophomore with Michael Pittman on the outside, he worked in the slot, had 77 receptions for a thousand yards, six, to um, six touchdowns. Um, and this year, obviously they didn't play as many games, but 41 catches, 478 yards, seven touchdowns, and was playing primarily on the outside. And he's probably more suited for the slot in the NFL, but just a guy that I mentioned it with Herbert with the running back, but just, Amon-Ra St. Brown really doesn't have a lot of weakness to his game other than not being just an overly explosive athlete. But he's a guy who has some pedigree in his family. His his brother, obviously Equinemius, has been a little bit of a disappointment in uh, Green Bay. But I think Amon Ra is the best one of the bunch. Uh, good route runner just in terms of short to inter- intermediary uh, routes. I don't know. Is that is that how you say it? Intermediate. Intermediate. Intermediate intermediate routes. Let's just say intermediate routes. Um, a guy who thrives, can go over the middle of the field. Tough, tough player. I mean, not as, you know, in terms of blocking, like, I'd like for him to be a little bit more physical, but I mean, he has the body for it. Six one, one ninety five, 195, like I said. And just a guy that I think from day one can come in, be your slot, be your number three receiver, uh, and, you know, find a role in, in an NFL offense. And then if I'm just going to touch on Tylen Wallace real quick. This is a guy that um, you know, you bring up the DeAndre Browns of the world. You know the uh, Terrence Marshall Juniors of the world from LSU, who just ran 4:38. Um, they seem to be getting more of the of the hype uh, over Tylen Wallace, and I guess I get it to a, to a certain extent. But Tylen Wallace, to me, man, another guy who just has produced since the moment he stepped on camp campus down in uh, where's Oklahoma State, Stillwater, Stillwater, mm. Oklahoma. Stillwater. All right, I wanted to get that right down in Stillwater. He steps in first year 86 catches 1491 yards so basically 1500 yards 12 touchdowns and average uh, average yards on his catch 17.3 had a long of 56 and then in the subsequent years 53 and 59 catches 903 922 yards receiving eight and six touchdowns so the production dropped a little bit but a guy who's 6 foot 190 was a track star has all the explosiveness you'd want from the position i'm not sure if he's run yet or if he's if he is running but a guy who can attack at the high, can high point the ball, can, you know, beat corners with his speed. I really like his route running ability too and his savvy. Um, again, this is a guy who I view a little bit higher than amon Ra and I think comes in to a team like the Packers. The Packers were able to, if they're going to pass on receiver in the first round and get a guy like Tylen Wallace um, in the second round, I think he comes in and automatically is an upgrade over, you know, the Alan Lazars of the world and the, the MVSs of the world and really can come in and, is the type of receiver you'd want across from a Devontae Adams. Or I think, you know, that's really where I'm kind of viewing him as early early second round, you know, really he's a second round player to me. So and I don't really see the the narrative surrounding him seems to be that uh, you know, he's just kind of like a little bit deeper a lot of guys boards and not as special. Um, I comped him to Golden Tate. I see a lot of that that early golden tate in him, even when Golden Tate was a guy who was a little bit smaller but was still able to play on the outside. Um, so I just really like Tylen Wallace's game a lot and just Think both of these receivers are are very high floor players and players that I would target on day two and, and day three on the draft if, if they were there.
0: I'll stay in the in the receiver room. Uh, this other guy that I found, Marlon Williams mm. from, from UCF. Very excited about my guy Marlon Williams, all right. He's a burly boy. Certified stamp of approval burly boy, six foot two twenty two. All right, toughest dude on the field at all times. He refuses to be tackled. Yeah. Uh he had best season in 2020, over 70 catches, over a thousand yards, ten touchdowns. He's got I think he's got NFL home run speed, doesn't drop the ball. There's a few moments of, of advanced route running technique where where that kind of gets muddy is that he never faced press or physical corner play in the American Athletic Conference. You know, I think based on the way that he plays when he has the ball in his hands, that he can handle that, or he won't at least be phased by it, but he probably has really never been coached uh, on how to handle a a more physical play um, from the corner uh, position. But he did play mostly uh, in the slot, a lot of slot reps, and you can kind of protect him from that early on in his career just by taking him off the line of scrimmage and giving him a little more room to work. He's not a sudden or a natural-looking athlete, Uh, He's not really going to make catches, you know. He's he's, he he plays on the ground. He's not going to make catches, you know, jumping in the air or really outside of his frame. But I think he can have an immediate impact uh, in the slot as a rookie, as long as that learning curve uh, isn't too steep. Obviously, there's just a a limit to how much we can know about a a guy's football smarts and and acumen. But I think for I mean, again, he looks. It's almost another Jarrett Patterson situation where cosmetically. He kind of runs and his arms are are down by his knees. Like it doesn't, you know, it's not very sudden or quick, but he is fast. So it doesn't always look the prettiest, but it's it's effective. Mm. And uh, I I think he's just an extremely uh, and I just love his toughness. Yeah, play. watch him watch him against Houston. On you know, Houston game was great. Tulane game was great. Um, nice moments in in the Memphis game. So just was a huge fan of of Marlon, Marlon Williams and. Really excited to kind of see where he lands. Team Fit Detroit. Mm. Let's go. I like that. Bring him in. Put him in the slot. uh, Come on now.
1: I'm very unfamiliar with his game. Um, Looking at him on my my PFF draft guide right now, they got him comp to James Washington. And what do you think of that comp?
0: I could see that. Yeah. I can see that. I mean, James Washington was a guy who played, you know, mostly on the ground, right, when he was at Oklahoma State. Not a ton of uh, leaping uh, ability or or anything like that. And, and again, like he's – he looks that that is a really good comp. I like that. He kind of looks, you know, James Washington kind of looked like he was a running yep. back playing playing at wide receiver. James Washington, I think, was more highly thought of. Totally. I, I I I found Marlon Williams literally watching um, a player I'll get to a little bit later, and I, I, just the play that he made was was just so eye catching, and I was just like, oh, I'm gonna look up who this guy is, and lo and behold, he's he's in the NFL draft. Is, is Peyton Payton, Turner is baby. Peyton
1: Turner the player you're gonna bring up?
0: Yeah. All yeah. right.
1: Did a little detective work. You mentioned the Houston game. You got to be watching some Houston defense. Yeah. Yep.
0: Um, should we? Should we jump in? Can I? Yeah. I'll just I'll, I'll jump into. Peyton yeah. Turner yeah. Jump in, game. man. I mean, do you? Uh, have you watched any of him?
1: A little bit. I. I mean, I saw him really when I'm watching Zach Wilson. He had a really big game against mm-hmm. BYU and Brady Christensen. Yeah, he he did. really. I mean, he. Brady Christensen, I think. Who's a good good tackle? Prospect good tackle prospect in the, in the future. He really gave him, you know, all all he could handle. He got a couple
0: sacks. So. Um, Peyton Turner is kind of the first, I haven't, you know, I still need to do more work on this edge class, but kind of the first edge I've, I've gotten excited about. Um, really interesting background. He had a knee injury on his seat, going into his senior year in high school. Um, and so it kind of negatively affected his recruiting process. Houston was the only team that offered him a scholarship. Uh, he came to, to campus as a 215 pound defensive wow. end um gained 75 pounds and and started playing in an interior position on the d line at 290 and then his junior year they brought in a new coaching staff new defensive system and he they said we want to move it to, to d end and settled him uh in at 270 so right now he plays at 6'5 270 um really high effort player love that about him just kind of motor does not stop there's you know, play I think it is against Tulane. He sprints right in the backfield to try and stop a jet sweep, and, and the guy kind of makes him miss. He falls over, jumps right back up, and, and makes ends up making the tackle because, you know, his, his defensive buddies come and you know, stop the play a little bit too. But just super high effort player, doesn't really give up. He's got great speed and get off. It's, it's interesting for a guy that's 6'5", 270, you would think he'd be a power player. And I don't really see – like that's the one thing that's kind of weird is like I don't see him win with power or really be a force in the run game yet. Um, he beats offensive linemen mainly by just running around them. Um the, the sack you're talking about with with Zach Wilson in the BYU game is was off an inside move, which he sometimes gets into trouble with because he's so he's so big and he makes that inside move and there was a, I think it was against Tulane. he kinda just got tackle just got under his, his pads and shoved him inside and broke contain quarterback scrambles for ten plus yards. But at least he's, you know, he's got this kind of nice little outside, um, you know, chop move, and then he's got a good inside swim move that has been, you know, effective sometimes. So at least he's doing more than than one thing. Um, so ultimately, he's a player with good college production. It's in a non-power five conference, but I think if you're the team drafting him, you're, or you're hoping he just hasn't reached his full potential, which I think is the case, yep. um, with the right situation in coaching, I think he becomes a good NFL starter two to three years. Um, I, I would consider taking him in round three. Um, I ultimately think maybe he ends up becoming just a steal in the fourth or fifth round because you only have five games really where he played that true DN position this year and felt comfortable with it, but he, he balled out with those opportunities and I gave him a team fit to, to the Titans. Yeah. I, you know, I like you that have a lot. Too. Harold Landry, you got Bud Dupree, but you got good coaching there with able to, to kind of get him, you know. To where he he needs to be as a player. So Peyton Turner, yeah. guy, I'm I'm really excited about him. I don't, Mar, you know, when I'm talking about Antonio Phillips or Marlon Williams, I think those are pure day three, um, dudes. Marlon Williams, I'll take you at the end of the third, all right, buddy. Depending on what I'm what I'm having uh, to to sip on during the the four way mock, I might rip on you in in the late second. All right, we'll, we'll see with Marlon Williams, but Antonio Phillips for sure, very solid day three great for me that I think he's just a solid football player, but Peyton Turner, I think definitely could be, I think if it wasn't a COVID season, you might be talking about him for sure in day two, just because I don't think there's a ton of edges in this class that maybe can, can offer you both that, that power game uh, and that finesse game. And I think what's interesting about Peyton Turner is that he has the speed and the athleticism and he hasn't shown the power, but he absolutely has the size. Oh, totally. Um, and I think the raw strength to do it. So uh, if he ends up in a situation with with a good coach, and he doesn't have to be, you know, starting right away, I think I think he's got a really good shot to be to be a steal.
1: Yeah, Clapp, I I really should look. I still need to do my due diligence on this edge class as well. Um, I've got a couple that I want to bring up, but I just I mean Peyton Turner, another. You know, PFF has him as a second-round grade. They gave him a second-round ga- grade, really graded well at the college level. But I guess the only – yeah, like, you, I mean, it's he, – He could go around, too.
0: I, I think this edge class gets so muddy. Totally. Even in the first round that teams are just going to be drafting off of, of traits in, in a sense, and Peyton Turner, you get really excited watching it's him. It's such a
1: trait position, exactly. And, you know, to have a guy uh, like him with, you know, he should have a lot of untapped potential. Uh, I'm going to go anti-trait at the edge position and bring up my boy Carlos Boogie Basham from Wake Forest. Um, 6'5", 285, um, had five sacks this year, had 11 the year prior. He really had a great uh, 2019 for Wake Forest, and I really started to see him as a guy um, that was starting to get – when I started to look at mock drafts early last year, he was one of the – you know in an edge class that has been kind of all over the place. Um, He was a guy that has been getting mocked and then had a little bit worse of a year, but – Again, this is a guy in, in Boogie Basham who I think has he's, – he's listed as an edge. He can play on the edge, but he also can be kicked inside, I think. I think he's got great hands, just has really – is a really refined skill set as a defensive lineman and as a pass rusher. Um, and, you know, just doesn't really have the measurables. And, and it's such a – especially ed, the edge position is such a traits and measurables position, I think, and that's really what the – the NFL covets and you look at a guy like Montez Sweat who we kind of were all low on I feel like are not really sure about and you're seeing him be able to grow into this really really good edge rusher down um, in Washington and a lot of the elite edge rushers in the NFL right now are just toolsy traitsy guys um, and obviously some of them have some big first round cachet but you know it's really you have to be such an uber uber elite athlete to be successful I think to be a high high level edge um, in the NFL. But that being said, Boogie Basham, I think, in terms of a guy who could go maybe round three, but more likely maybe day three, um, is a guy that I'm looking out for. I think he has scheme versatility with his size. Um, could maybe be a little bit of an undersized interior defensive lineman, but is a guy that I would like rushing from the interior just because of his hands and what I think he'd be able to do uh, with guards. But also, I think he can really stop the run on the outside and just as a versatile, you know, high floor player again, that you can plug in on day three and, uh, you know, make a, a nice impact on your defense, at least as a rotational piece to start.
0: What do you think for, I guess, day three drafting strategy? How do you think these teams mix, right, like going for traits or maybe just going for guys who are, are solid football players, um, you know, like Basher, I, I you know, Wap Failure to me is just like a solid guy who maybe is is overlooked, but then, you know, risking the chance, obviously that they get to the league and it's just, there just literally isn't a chance for them because they just are limited uh, as athletically.
1: Yeah. I think, you know, especially, I mean, I think you kind of have to go for traits, but you can't, I mean, you can't overvalue them. They, I mean, they definitely are incredibly valuable. It's that's, that's a really good question club. It's something that I, you know, again, a guy who, I kind of mentioned as one of my favorite sleepers early on, and I'm not going to mention this because I feel like I've talked about him a lot. And he's a very, he's probably the most popular sleeper, I think is Jalen Darden, um, you know, at receiver. And he's a guy when you brought, you bring up the Rondell Moores, the Kadarius Tonys, even the Elijah Moores to a lesser extent. Um, you know, it's like, would you rather have one of those guys in round one or round two or a guy like Darden around three or maybe even round four. And they have very similar just suddenness and twitch and those type of athletes um, I think that's, I think it's really interesting. Um, I think when you look at a lot of the late round gems throughout the, 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 years, um, I'm kind of coming up with this on the spot, but I feel like the vast majority of them are really impressive athletes who kind of are honed in by NFL coaches and then unleashed upon the NFL. I'm, I'm thinking of a guy like, you know, it's Hunter or something like that. It was just incredibly raw coming out, um, and went on day three, I believe.
0: He was fourth round yeah, pick. Fourth yeah, fourth round
1: pick and obviously is has, has morphed into one of the elite edge rushers. But then you have other guys, you know, who
0: You got Quandry Diggs. Exactly. Exactly. Not not uh, you know, particularly the fastest no. guy on the field, you know, not the most athletic, but he's you know, he's the he's damn near the toughest and one of the smartest. Completely.
1: And all of the guys who are UDFAs, I mean, they, uh, look at all the successful UDFAs, almost none of them are overly impressive athletes. That's why that's a big reason why they weren't drafted. Um so I think, you know I guess it depends, you know, if you're looking for studs with high ceilings, they have to have a certain athletic profile, but you know, there's 53 dudes on a roster and like, you need to get special teams players. You need to get Look at a guy like Chuck wash, man. Like Chuck wash is all effort, all, all brains, all smarts, you know, yeah. that and that's the vast majority of your roster spots. You need to have guys like that. So I think ultimately you got to do it your way. Like we've been saying, we've been preaching throughout the past couple of weeks and you have to have a, a certain plan if you are going to take a guy with traits, you have to have a plan to develop them, you know, whereas you can take a guy who doesn't have traits, but you know, is going to be an ace on special teams from day one. And you don't really need as much of a plan for him because you believe kind of in his floor. So I think it's a, it's a situational basis and, and you have to, you know, just take those on a base level. You have to do what I just explained. Um, You have to have a plan for guys with traits and you have to, you know, or it's it's an opportunity cost thing ultimately.
0: Yeah. I think too, interesting. You're talking about, we talk a lot about having a plan for prospects mostly with unicorn athlete types, the Kyle Pitts's, the Isaiah Simmons, um, you know, Usa Koromoa Coromoa this year where maybe they don't fit into a traditional mold, but from, you know, a standpoint of, Hey, first or third rounds, those are kind of your, your pretty solid prospects. You almost need to even have a more robust plan for, for these types of players.
1: Yeah, completely. Um, yeah, that's that's a really good question. That deserves some that deserves some research. I think going into, because mm-hmm. probably in a you know probably just overall in terms of numbers, the vast majority of of draft hits are not. Or I mean, late round like sleepers are not overly impressive athletes. It's just more their intangibles to what they bring because the draft is so much of a you know an athletic. You get a guy like Jason Oway, who I haven't watched too much about, but. Is getting, you know, as a first round prospect or, a, you know, definitely and hasn't really done too much in terms of production. And it's he's zero, yeah, sack zero sacks, zero sacks, but he runs a 4 3 and he's he's a physical freak. And how much do you value that compared to a guy like a Joseph Asai, you know, or someone like that who,
0: yeah, I mean, as a Lions fan too, I remember drafting Ziggy Anza, yeah, and he was an extreme projection, but that it worked hit out. You know, you talk
1: about that 2013 draft. I mean, he's him and Lane Johnson are like two of the only solid picks from you know that draft. Yeah. Um, yeah it's it's that's that's really interesting club that deserves a, that
0: deserves some more research um um I, I got I got one more guy for my list all right. um this is this is the ultimate traits guy all right and, and here's the deal it's Greg Island offensive tackle from Mississippi State firm seventh round grade if you feel like you got a good O line coach Solid starters at both tackle positions. If you don't have that, he's a priority UDFA. Alright, I'm not, I'm not about to be standing on the table for Greg Island, but I'll, I'll tell you what, what I like about him is that he's 6'7, 335 with 37 inch arms. Alright, and, and for perspective, Makai Becton was in the 94th percentile of, of arm of arm length for tackles, 35 inch arms. Wow. Alright, so this is just a dude who is all of the traits, all of the size that you could ever want for your offensive tackle. Where it goes poorly is that he's kind of a mess as a player. The, the feet, the fundamentals, the athleticism is questionable. He played uh, against – he had a couple reps against Josh Allen in, at Kentucky in 2018. Uh, that did not go well. That, that, that did not go well. Uh, and Mike Leach coming in in 2020 – Surely, you know, the offensive fundamentals probably only regressed, yeah, uh, with, with that air rate system coming in. He's purely a trait pick, but again, bringing up another Lions guy that kind of became successful it was Cornelius Lucas. Uh, he, he's been a, a backup swing tackle for a bunch of teams, pretty good player, UDFA, who was 6'8, right? So, you can bring these guys in and coach them up a little bit. I definitely think there's going to be multiple offensive line coaches across the league who would just love to bring him in and, and see what you get. My team fit was the Browns. You got Wills. Uh, you, you got Conklin. And then uh, Bill Callahan is one of the more uh, respected offensive line coaches in the league. He's there in, in Cleveland. So uh, I just thought, hey, you know, picks uh, – yeah, they have picks 212 and 259. Yeah, see see what happens. Yeah. That's so – I don't know. I, he just, I just saw kind of the measurements. I remember back in like January, he was at not even the senior bowl, it was like the collegiate all star game. Yeah. I don't know. It, it was, but I just saw his measurements come in and it was like, holy crap, this dude's, these dude, this dude's arms are, are crazy. And he played, you know, he played at both left and right tackle. He even, uh, I was reading, he even shifted it into a guard a couple times for, for the Bulldogs. So, you know, just, just a guy to keep your eye on.
1: Yeah, club. Um, I'm gonna stay in the trenches uh, and bring up a guy that that I like as a sleeper, and that's Kendrick Green from Illinois. Um, you want to talk about workout warriors and, and projections?
0: Um, what position is he's he? He's a
1: guard. He played guard and center for Illinois. Uh, 6'2", 305, Ran a four eight five forty. Uh, has a vertical jump of thirty six inches. Both of those, the both of those are in the 99th percentile, um, and in a, a broad of 119 inches, which is in the 100th percentile. So this guy is just an absolute, absolute freak on the interior, and his tape is, is very good as well too. I think he's getting a lot more hype now, um, and could sneak in today, uh, today too. But as a guy who, really, haven't been hearing a lot throughout the, um, the draft process and really this pro day. Yeah,
0: I've not heard yeah, of him. Yeah, this the, his
1: <laughs> this pro day at Illinois really was you know was huge for him and plays with a mean streak and just, I think, is a plug-and-play guard with a lot of upside just because of his his physical talent. So Kendall Green was a guy that I really, I mean, there's not really a lot of tape to watch. There's one, there's the North, there's a, I forget, maybe it was Northwestern defense. I don't know. There's one tape, there's one thing on YouTube you can watch, mm-hmm. and there's a little highlight film because he won, um, I think he won some trophy, I believe, not one of the college football, or maybe he was first team all Big Ten or something like that. Uh, and I'm gonna stay in the the trenches.
0: Well, is there a round projection for him? Like, like what have you seen?
1: Um, I mean, he like PFF has him as a third rounder. I know the Draft Network. Um, I did not see him on. I can just do it right now because I got it got it pulled up. But I mean, he's a guy who they've got him. Yeah, Draft Draftner right now has him as two eighty seven overall. So that's a
0: so not even not even a draftable the, yeah not
1: even there. not even draftable but it, you
0: know TDN they're not always we, we appreciate what they do at the draft network their rankings not always um not always completely accurate to maybe what the No are.
1: no not at all um and I'm going to bring up another interior offensive lineman who who TDN is 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 relatively high on that. I think they have him as their 96 overall player um and that's Trey Smith from Tennessee uh, six-five and a half, 331 pounds, and I've known about Trey Smith for a couple of years because he was the number one recruit in the nation, if I remember correctly. He was at least a top five recruit, went to Tennessee, um, and you know reminds me a little bit of Natani Muti from last year. When you just turn on a tape and he just is a people road grader, people killer. Will Hernandez is another you know guy that I like coming out of Utah. What was his name again? Trey oh, Smith.
0: Smith, right. Trey Smith, interior, in, or interior,
1: guy? interior. These are both uh, interior linemen. Uh, you know, has has great size. Um, I'm not sure, or yeah, there was. I don't know if he participated in the pro day, but really, the knock on on Trey Smith is just his injuries and his lack of availability. Um, you know, because he's a guy who has all the talent in the world. You know, we saw him as a potential um, potential first round pick or one of the better interior offensive linemen um coming out and uh you know the medicals are just really the only the, really only the red flag so he's on on the field he's been uh, a complete beast and i mean he's only played at, at left guard so 756 snaps at left guard uh, in 19 and, and 674 the past year so um oh here's his here's his workout reps 32 32 reps on the bench 89th percentile uh, three cone of 7.43, 90th percentile. Fifty yard dash of five one, seventy fifth. Uh, a vertical leap of thirty. Forty yard dash. Forty, or, not fifty. Yeah, fifty yard dash. Geez, a lot of fives there. Forty yard dash of of five point one one, and you know, vertical leap of thirty one inches.
0: So five one fifty. Uh, I, for for a D lineman, I'd say take him at seven. Yeah,
1: exactly. Five one fifty yard. Geez, Tyree Kill, Ch- chubby Tyree Kill. Um. But, yeah, no, Trey Smith is a guy who, you know, obviously is not the same athlete that that Kendrick Green is, but still is a overall good athlete for the position. And if he can stay healthy, uh, you know, I think has pro ball potential. So, I mean, club. I feel like he's a guy that you would like throwing on a little Trey Smith tape and even just a highlight film, I'm just watching him just move, move people, just a massive human. Um, so two-time Tennessee Mr. Football, you know, offensive lineman of the year, like this guy has all the uh, – all, all the pedigree in the world. Number five player, according to 24/7 Sports. So, Trey Smith.
0: Well, I'll, I'll take a look. Um, I wanted to shout out a couple interior D linemen. Yeah, get after it. Um, just these are, these might end up being day two dudes. But uh, I, we, we talked pre-show about Ali McNeil. Uh, big fan of, of just what he can do in, t- in taking up space on the interior. I, I like him. I, I, I've said that I think the, the Cowboys need to get a, a big space eater uh, on the interior of their line to... Make make sure that at least Neville Gallimore, who I believe in, uh, can become the full player. Obviously, um, blanking on the name, uh, UCF kid. Oh, help me out, Donald. Oh,
1: Trey Trey uh Trey, Trey Hill.
0: Yep.
1: Tyson. Um, no, Tyson, believe, Hill. Yeah. Tyson Hill. Tyson uh, Hill. Tristan Hill. Uh-huh. Tristan Hill. There we go. Third time. Hill. Third time Good to the charge.
0: World. Jeez. It's late. Um, for me. <laughs> um. But Ali uh, McNeil and then uh, Tyler Sheldon, two two interior did Tyler t- there for
1: Did you. Tyler Sheldon not play this past year, or did he? Do you know? I don't think he. Yeah, did. Yeah, he was an opt out. I'm pretty sure. But yep. that was really good for them uh, last year. Um. So I mean, and he. I mean,
0: he's like over 360 pounds. Yeah. So that's. I mean, that's there's there's a one tech. For that's
1: him. a big guy. And and shout out your boy uh, Tommy Toka guy guy. Tommy Togiagai,
0: Tommy Tungi. Tommy Tungi. Tommy Tungi.
1: O- Ohio State. What do you rip out? 40, 40 reps on the bench. Something nuts. Just yeah Unreal strength from Tommy. Shout him out. Not as much strength as, as this Tommy, but you know we're we're in the same ballpark. Um,
0: <laughs> Here's a. Here, can, I, yeah. can I share my duds? Yeah. Um, you know, not that I'm trying to. You know, I wish the best for these young men uh, as they as they move into their their NFL careers. Um, but try. I want. You know, I was. Doing a little research, picking and choosing guys from from the draft network page to find out a little bit more, read some blurbs, see if anything struck my interest, and then if it did, I, I went over to YouTube and tried to find some stuff and came away uh, unimpressed with these these three men. Uh, Seth Williams, receiver from Auburn, just uh, turned on. I can't remember what even what game it was, but he got like shoved over multiple times. Yep. By like in, in blocking reps, where it's like at least some receivers. Who don't want to block? They at least like get in the way, and they don't really engage. But but they're there. He was just getting like shoved over, and he's not particularly small. So uh, wasn't yeah. you know wasn't a big fan of Seth Williams, Tommy Doyle, OT for Miami of Ohio. Saw he was six eight. I was like, oh let's let's see what this guy's all about. Womp womp. Don't you know, I watched him get beat multiple times in, in the first drive. I, I watched of him against some other crap Mac team. Uh, so it wasn't. Wasn't a fan of his, and then Tony Fields, he's a guy who gets some buzz. Linebacker safety hybrid guy played at Arizona, and then transferred over to West Virginia. Just um, he's a guy who is just like he's caught in the middle between those two positions. Where I think he's too small to play linebacker, um, and then I don't know if he's athletic enough to to play safety. You know, hey, you can argue with me, Adam. Don't you say all the time about wanting linebackers that can cover? Well. I think there's a couple dudes uh, in this draft we can cover who have the desired measurables uh, and ability to also affect the run game because hey, it's, it's the NFL. They've still got to run the football yep. in the NFL, and so I like you know I like dudes you know like Kuromoa, um, who I think plays just with obviously you can say hey they don't, they have the same measurables. Koromoa plays with a physicality that is unprecedented for for many players who are ten times his size. Yep. So um, just. I think Tony Fields is kind of caught in the middle and, and not in a good way.
1: Yeah, um, I still got some. I'm gonna just say a, I don't want to even call him a dud because I think he's a good player, but I just want to um, voice my concern about taking Nick. I've seen Nick Bolton go in the first round and definitely a high second round pick, but um, I have some concern with uh, you know I love I mean love his intangibles, love his production. But he's a little undersized. Um, he's not he's a bit like a less explosive Devin Bush, which makes him valuable, but not a guy that I would take, you know, on in round one or even high round two. We talk I mean, a guy that I it's even, you know, comparing a guy with Nick Bolton, like a guy like Jabril Cox from L S U who I've brought up before, who I think has a lot, a lot of potential in terms of you talk about coverage, he's a guy who's six four, really I think can match up with tight ends and and almost almost plays a more like a safety at the linebacker position but can caught up in the run but Nick Bolton I threw on his uh, the Georgia tape for him really tough really tough he didn't he looked like a day three pick um, in that game alone but then he has some other you know against Alabama he played really well um and you know Ellis against LSU he had a good game as well too he's definitely I think a high floor player but I think it would be lunacy to take him in in the first round and even in the second round he still might be a little bit of a reach I think despite having a high floor I just you know he's a guy that I think I'm a little bit lower on consensus and then Tutu Atwell I've already mentioned him but I think Tutu Atwell would be a great day three pick but would not take him anywhere near um day two so I think Tutu Atwell can carve out a role as like a Tavon Austin gadget player type, but I don't think he's the same as a Kadarius Tony or certainly a Rondell Moore. Um, if I can just wrap up my studs, I think it's worth mentioning um, because after his combine, I think it probably looks like he's definitely going to fall to day three. And that's our Darius Washington from TCU. Shout out Sean Daigle, big fan of his. Um, you know, 5'8", 178. He's kind of like a better version of a Meek Robertson, who's a guy that I really liked last year.
0: He's a corner. He's
1: a safety, but he's played, I mean... He's, you know, most snaps he played uh, this year, he had 242 snaps at free safety, 205 snaps in the box, and 102 snaps at slot corner. So he's a guy with some positional versatility, but ran a 4.6. Um, already he's in the first percentile in terms of size. He's 5.8, 178, and then runs a 4.6 at that size. But just, like, great on tape. With, like, just reckless abandon with his body. Will thump, will do. I mean, if you should throw on his 2019 was a little bit better than his last year. Um, but just, you know, a guy who can, can, you can play in the slot, you can play him at free safety. Doesn't have a lot of range, but even playing him at the box as a, as an undersized guy, he's just not a guy that I want to bet against. And especially being able to get him, um, in on day three at some point, I just think would be an awesome, awesome pick. And we talk about, um, a guy who at the very least, he's not going to bust. He's going to be able to play special teams. Like he, at the, I just think he's going to have a impact wherever he goes Kind of like an Amik Robertson last year, but I think he's even better than Amik Robertson. Um, And, you know, just has all the intangibles outside of physical skills. Um, His tape's really impressive. You know, just he's a maestro out there. Um, He's been compared to Tyron Matthew, and I I see the comparison. I don't know. He probably isn't as athletic as him, um, but maybe a poor man's Tyron Matthew I could see our Darius Washington turning out to be.
0: Uh, I I think Tyron Matthew's a guy that might get a bust in Cammy. It is,
1: it is. But you see, he has those. It's the instinctual nature of the way that he plays football. Um, so yeah, did I just compare a potential special teamer to Tyron Matthew? <laughs> yeah, I did. But that's why you. That's why you always throw. Yeah, that's why we write the album. That's mark, why, you know? and that's why you throw poor man's out there because you you then you you're saved a little bit. Um, and then two other guys I want to shout out who, um, Klep, you've always bring it up. It's so true. It's hard to to, to scout DBs and especially corners um, on YouTube, but. Two guys that I think are worth mentioning are Paulson Adebo from Stanford and Tay Gowan from UCF. I see that Aaron Robertson or Robinson gets a lot of love from uh, UCF, and he played this past year. But Tay Gowan opted out this year, but had a really strong twenty nineteen. Um, and the the when I first heard of Tay Gowen, it was him tweeting at at PFF and really other. I, I think it was another, but just tweeting. Like the PFF always tweets PFF draft will tweet like who's your corner it'll be like certain J C Horn Asante Samuel and uh, you know uh, the kid from from Virginia Caleb Farley and and Tay Gowen just retweets it and says Gowan. he's 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 yeah. chirping he's got All right. like he's that. got supreme confidence and he has good tape as well too another guy who who looks a little awkward like you say in the in the UCF the he just doesn't look he looks like a, a NCAA fourteen create a corner with like a Revo you know with the Peyton Manning helmet um, but. Guy who, you know, played primarily zone corner at UCF. I think that's really where his his um, his projection is when it comes to the next level. Um, but you know, he's a guy who just love his love his intangibles. Love his uh, love love that he's chirping. Love that he's getting out there. And uh, I think you know he's a guy who's probably been slept on a little bit. And then Paul Debo, another opt out who, um, you know, really talk about guys who got mocked in in the first round he almost came out last year i believe he could have and he didn't um because i was mocking him you know last year in 2020 but a guy who had a really good 2019 over at stanford um you know again is a primarily zone guy not overly physical kind of a minus in the in the tackling game and in the run game i'd say but has really nice coverage skills and we've seen you know you kind of tend to want you kind of want to have that um you know at the nfl level as opposed to physicality even though it is kind of obnoxious to watch guys like greedy williams on tape who are just allergic to contact um Adibo is i wouldn't say he's that bad but he's not an overly physical corner but has all the cover skills you could want um and really prototypical size i think he's 6'1 190 so um another guy that i'm just going to pull up his because uh, i do believe he had his pro day already um I'll try and pull that up his, his marks, but a guy who I just think both of these guys are didn't play in 2020 and are kind of getting lost in the muck of this 2021 cornerback class. And I think these are probable NFL starters. So um, really interested to see where, where both of these guys land. Um, yeah. Paulson Debo real quick, four, four, five, 40. So he's got that 6.69 three cone, 91st percentile. Uh, shuttle and 413, 37 inch vertical and uh, 121 inch broad. So 6'1, 198. He's got the prototypical body and uh,
0: strong athletic profile. Strong athletic profile. So
1: and and has two. Do
0: you think you? Do you think you? I've heard. You know, I I don't know. I Gallon is new to me. I'm definitely gonna have to look look this Gallon man. Take up. take Gallon uh, baby. Uh, a Debo I have. Um, Paulson Debo I have seen a little bit of rumblings on. Do you think he's a cemented in as kind of a day two guy or do you think he could even slip to to the fourth or fifth round
1: well i mean on both the draft network and P, I mean pff has a fourth rounder i believe and the draft network was high on him last year which was kind of uh surprising but they have him okay they have him at 71 so they're a little bit higher on him than pff but i mean chris sims i think had him at his number four corner spot maybe number five so it was kind of refreshing to see him you know come back into the uh fold, but, uh, you know, I just think it's weird with a lot of these guys who opted out. You just don't necessarily know where the NFL stands on them and how they're going to be valued as opposed to a guy like, you know, Ify Mellon Fonwu or, you know, uh, there's a bunch of corners, Troy Williams, you know, there's a bunch of, uh, there's a bunch of dudes, you know, who played this year. So I could just, I could see a lot of these opt outs getting lost in the shuffle. And I think Gowan and Adebo kind of have the potential to be, to be both of those.
0: Definitely, a, definitely a unique draft. Very unique. That, that's for sure. So, uh, Tommy, I'm gonna to go watch some some Kenneth Gainwell, some Trey Smith. Yep. You're gonna you're gonna jump into that Marlon Williams.
1: I want to throw on some Marlon Williams. You're, you're
0: gonna love it, right?
1: And Peyton Turner. Peyton Turner.
0: You can get a little Peyton Turner and Marlon Williams. Double feature? Like, little, double, little feature, double feature. Little double feature. They both make plays.
1: Yeah. In that game. I'm gonna have to throw that on. Um, yeah, Trey. I'm I'm predicting Trey Smith's gonna be a Clep boy. I think Club's gonna like him. Some Trey Smith.
0: Who was the the Illinois kid again? Uh, Ken, Kendrick Green. Kendrick Green. Okay. So um, there was a uh, there was a Carson Green from uh, Texas A and M tackle who uh, didn't make
1: my does list, but it did also not make my sleep. Okay, so you're you're take that for what you will. I will indeed. I will indeed. Um. Yeah, another guy that I um, watched a little bit of that is to, to stick with corners is uh, Shakur Brown. From uh, Michigan State, he's just a bit of a dog. I don't know. I don't know. When you talk about special teams players, he just was a guy who he's got that he's got that dog mentality at corner, which is something that we always like, you know, over at the BJP. And talk about a late round guy. Yeah,
0: yeah. Bring back Antonio Phillips. He's got
1: that, he's got that too. might have yep. to do a prospect uh, showdown? Shakur Brown versus Antonio <laughs> Phillips. Who you want? Versus. 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 All right, Klepper, Q stay scheming, baby.